As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm particularly excited because in addition to Alison Rudd, and it's always wonderful to have Alison here, but that's not really a novelty, we have not one, but two Yorkshiremen. Two Yorkshiremen who I might describe at the opposite ends of the spectrum, one of them from Harrogate, the other one from Huddersfield. Which spectrum? Well, I'll I'll leave it to you, dear listener, to decide. One of them, very, very clever and brooding uh, and somewhat dark. The other one, taller. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Aguero. And Fonte, has he caught him? Referee, well, he's given a free kick to Southampton and he's going to book Aguero for diving. And that's a really controversial moment. Looks as though Fonte caught him. And Fonte's initial reaction, once he's made the challenge, is the point that it's outside the penalty area. I think that speaks volumes. Matt, Southampton against Manchester City, I think in some ways this might have been the game where City, after after that, that dramatic, emotional and somewhat fortunate win over Bayern, by getting a result here, they could say, look, we're still sort of in this title race, uh, especially with Chelsea drawing the day before. But I, I'm interested first talk about Southampton with you, Matt, because... What does this mean for them in the sense that have they been punching above their weight? Is this where they sort of start regressing to a mean? Well, they clearly have been punching above their weight. The question is how long they can continue to do that. The position has always been slightly false and the the fixtures so far have been fairly straightforward. And now they've got a tough run of games. They've got Man United at home next week. They play Chelsea over over Christmas at home as well. So it's going to get more difficult. I thought yesterday they actually played pretty well on the counter-attack with two soft, softish goals really so I don't I don't think as 3 nils go it wasn't wasn't a total dribbling it may, it may appear if you just uh, saw, saw the result later on so that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end for them It's funny because you, you kind of get sort of distracted by the store a little bit because for the first 70 minutes City were the better side but not, not by a vast amount it wasn't like watching kind of an FA Cup tie or anything it was just that City were clearly a bit better than Southampton but Southampton were basically kind of there or thereabouts they will, they will drop back. They've got six really hard games coming up. We, all, we, we knew they weren't going to win the title. I don't think there's any reason to think that they can't challenge for a top four spot, which is kind of what we've been talking about, isn't it? They can easily finish top four. If they play well, draw or win against United, that might act as another spurt, to be honest, because um, when I interviewed Koeman at the very start of the season, he knew the date of that match straight off without looking it up. But after claiming it wasn't an important match, he knew when it was. So I think... I think that does matter to him. You know, what have they had so far, setback-wise, Southampton? They played well against Liverpool and were lucky to lose. And given they went into that game with no one really knowing how good they were, that could have set them back, couldn't it? That could have made them feel that like, oh, maybe we're not as good as we've been told we are by our new manager. They bounced back from that. The game against Pochettino at Spurs, that had a bit of hype around it because, you know, old versus new, and they lost that one. Didn't seem to bother them. Again, started playing well again. And I don't really think they were embarrassed at all against City so that they can't regroup and 
and start all over again and do another mini run. I mean, I'll keep having spurts of runs, I suspect, and finish fourth or fifth. But that'll, keep, that'll, that'll, that'll be enough to keep them in there because they do. So they've dropped. It's Arsenal, United, and then it's because the Premier League fixtures are done stupidly. <laughs> yes. It's then Arsenal. It's Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, Everton, something like that. It's Southampton's run. So they they won't get as many points from that run as they have from their previous runs of games. But once that's over, they will have another run of relatively straightforward fixtures. And if they win all of those, like United, Spurs, Everton, Arsenal, Liverpool, none of those are going away. They're not going to put a load of points between them and Southampton. So they will be in the race for fourth until at least March, April. Well, there's always the suggestion that, you know, have they been found out? This is what happens with a team that asked the prize package. Under Pochettino, Southampton were found out to a degree in the second half of his good season there. So, you know, City, uh, I think the but general feeling is that they reorganised to counter the, the threat of their excellent fullbacks. Southampton. Teams but if actually, teams do that all the time, will, okay. do they have a plan B, C, D? Do teams actually really get found out or do they just regress to the mean? Because I, I look at this and yeah, we'll put the way Pochettino played last year really was different. I think part of the reason they dropped off a little bit was just it was just so physically taxing. But I look at the way Southampton play this year and they're good, but I see a lot of, of good players occasionally playing like great players. It's kind of unrealistic to expect Schneiderlin to play at this level all season long. Why? It, because he's Morgan Schneiderlin. Because because players have have highs and lows, and you know, not many people in that position remain at, at that level for an entire season. Yeah, but you're, you're not going to say, and I'm not I'm not saying that he's as good as Fabregas, but say, or Ma- say Matic. You're not going to say, oh, well, it's going to be hard for the Manny Matic to play this well all season. I would Matic argue, will play this well all season. Yeah, I would argue that the, the main difference between Schneiderlin and, and Matic are, are the, the players around him. That if you're Matic, there's going to be games, there, there are going to be games where you can not play within yourself, but when you're going through a bad run, you say, mm. all right, well, then I just kind of sit and, and whatever. And I, I think if Schneiderlin starts doing that, for Southampton, I think they really lose a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that the lead they've built up over the rest of the pack, as it were, is is big enough that it's likely that they will be top four come the end of the season. I, I'd yeah, love it if they were. It would be I, fantastic. I think Alisson said it, they could easily finish top four. They can finish top four, but it'd still be a major surprise to me and a hell of an achievement. One other point about Southampton, we, we've always talked about how like they're like a model club and everything because Nicola Cortez told us how they were and their academy, their academies actually have been fantastic and everything. I'm wondering, do we sometimes they'll get a little bit caught up in it in the sense that these guys who they signed this summer who've Pele and Tadic have worked extremely well but does anybody really believe that it's a source of like tremendous you know innovative high-end scouting when Pele played for for Koeman and Tadic played against them well then you if you don't believe that then you are calling the club liars because they said it was just beautiful synchronicity because they'd already identified Tadic and Pella as players that would fit their model. And when they, that was part of the reason they appointed Kuman was because he agreed with them and knew them. It wasn't, it, it, that, it's a grand plan. I don't see why yeah. they would lie to me about that. No, but mm, it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to liars, but that seems extraordinarily convenient. But I've seen their black <laughs> box room. I've seen their black box where they analyse that, it's a, that, is, the best, Sorry, that is the best scouting system in the country. How, they have built, how many have you, built, how many have you seen there? I mean, they don't, but they don't have them anywhere else. That's why they're poaching from Southampton everywhere now, the staff there. I broadly agree with Ali that I think Southampton do have a, a very good scouting system, but in reference to the first team stuff, there's no magic key. And it was the same with, um, with Graham Tarr at Newcastle when he brought in Kabai and, and Debussy and all those. And everyone said, oh, Graham Tarr's cracked the transfer market, isn't he amazing, blah, blah, blah. 
Johan Trebay was captain of the French champions. Papa Sisse was the lead, second leading scorer in the Bundesliga when they signed him. It's the same with Tadic and Pelle. That, yeah, Tuman knew Pelle who'd been really effective in Holland. Everyone who'd watched any Dutch football knew Dusan Tadic was the, was the best player in Holland. We spent a lot of time talking about Southampton, and we could love to talk about them more. We should probably also talk about the champions. Hughie, we should talk about your mate, Mike Jones. What the hell was that with the Aguero dive? Well, it was a bad decision, wasn't it? He was more unusual. He was seemed very well placed uh, to make the right one and completely got it wrong. We often talk about whether referees are influenced by preconceived notions of what a player's like with their dives. Aguero doesn't really dive, as far as I'm aware. So it's not really can't, much, can't yeah. have been that. I, he, he just he just got it wrong. Those of us who watched Match of the Day too also show that they show this little snippet where the um, the fourth official, I think, was it Mike Dean? I, I think. Phil Dowd. Phil, Phil Dowd, sorry, like, kind of did this sort of this eye roll at Zabaleta, sort of supposedly indicating, like, his dissatisfaction with, with Mike Jones. I feel like we've had two weekends of absolutely horrid, horrid Premier League refereeing. Allison, if things hadn't taken a different turn, this could end up determining, I mean, there really are millions riding on it. Why is Mike Jones getting a second versus third game? Oh, um, we'd have to ask his assessor. Presumably they tot up the points and he's not made too many errors so far, so he can. It's, an, it's not done on reputation. It's not done on whether they're liked that week or not. It's just, you know, week in, week out. How, I, many, how Mike, many points per game he gets? Mike Jones is all right. There's much worse referees than Mike Jones. I'm, not, I'm sure there are worse referees than Mike Jones, but I don't view it like that. I view it as like, this is the Premier League. I, I, I want the best referees for, for oh, the, for oh the Gab, would you want us to import overseas officials? Is well, that of what course you're getting I, at? Of course I would, but I'm not going to go back to... No, I, I, I just wonder... Famously, there are no mistakes in any other league. <laughs> exactly. See, that, see that, that's exactly the year two argument I was expecting from her. Um, the, the, the other thing with, with Aguero's performances is that now there's people su- suggesting that he ranks at or the tier just below Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Lionel Messi. I think um, Samir Nasri said he was even with Messi. Somebody else said he's better than Suarez, which seems to be this incredible benchmark. Clearly somebody hasn't seen Suarez in the last uh, month or so. Is he in that conversation, or is there still an obvious gap between Cristiano and, and Lionel and uh, Kun Aguero? I think there is, there is a gap because they've done it every season in the Spanish League and the Champions League for five, six, seven years Aguero hasn't. He has injuries. When he's fit and playing well, he's he's a very he's a, he's, a, he's a great player. But those two you've just mentioned, I think, are still still a distance ahead. He, he could be in the Suarez category. I think. I think that's as you say, a nice sort of subgroup. Those two are just a level level down. But again, he has to stay fit and do it over a sustained period. In the way that Suarez has, he's the outstanding player at City and probably in the Premier League at the moment. He's a better supporting cast, obviously, than, than Suarez had at, at Liverpool as well. He, he does, but they don't always deliver for him. Right. Um, there, was, there was one thing that I noticed about City, just very quickly. Twice, Torre strawed, and normally when Torre strawed, everyone says, oh, yeah, yeah, Torre's back to his best. Twice, once for the sending off, and once just before that, Torre didn't really dally on the ball, but he's really susceptible to a really fast press from coming from wide. Mane did it once, and Shane Long did it once. And if you play Torre deep, that happens a lot, whether he scores or not. And I think that's quite important to stopping him finding the rhythm he needs to be really effective. Do we have a title race on our hands, Alison? It's six points right now, given Chelsea's draw. We might. If, if City put together a string of wins and Chelsea draw for a bit, then, yeah, I still think Chelsea will win it. But 
yeah, it might, might seem a bit more exciting, possibly. It's quite hard to see City playing as consistently as they need to do to put real pressure on, on Chelsea. Really. Well, I mean, they've not, even going back two, three years, when they've won titles, they've had the odd good run, but they do they do drop points. And I think this year you can't get away with it because Chelsea have improved and they, are ruthless, even playing poorly Saturday. They never look like losing. Um, they were six points behind Arsenal at this stage last year, and obviously City went on to win it. As a key word saying, in that sentence. Exactly. <laughs> it's Arsenal. Arsenal, obviously more fragile than Chelsea. But Roy, and I'll leave you with this thought, City get knocked out of the Champions League, which is entirely possible. And then they're in a situation where they have a week to prepare, basically, for every single Premier League game. David Silva, Dzeko, Kolarov, those guys come back. By the same token, Chelsea, who I don't think have had any significant injuries at all, and Mourinho's playing the same dudes every single week. <laughs> they go deep in the Champions League, it takes more out of them. Is this such a far-fetched notion? I mean, six points? It's not far-fetched, but I, I, I agree with Alison and Matt. I, 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 Chelsea will, will still win the lead. It might be a bit more exciting than it looked like it would be a fortnight ago. Gareth Barry will make sure he doesn't get caught in possession. That's exactly what's happened. Kane with a challenge. Lennon brings it forward. Soldado outside him. Who scores? His first Barclays Premier League goal since early March. From uh, Chelsea and City to two teams who um, I think a lot of us, or some of us, had high hopes for it this season, but who started slowly, Tottenham and, and Everton. Alison, I want to start with you and, and Harry Kane. Can you explain this phenomenon? I actually, I watched this game on Sky yesterday, and, and he played very well. The commentators made it seem as if everything he did was great and brilliant and totally unprecedented. Everything Soldado, Ericsson, and Lamella did was awful. Is he the real deal, A, A, and B, why were we not aware of him before? I always thought, you know, under Sherwood and, 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 and Villas-Boas, he was just some, sort of some kid who came on and played the final minutes in, in the game, and I never saw this side to him. Well, I thought you'd come to me because uh, at the start of the season, I was asked on a web chat who will be the breakout star of the season, and I said Harry Kane. I and did. That's exactly well, why I came you. to you. Thank I read you. all your web chats. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a lie. But uh, and the reason I said Harry Kane was, well, lots of reasons. The problem with Spurs has been uh, they sold bail and they, they just drafted in players sort of all from all over the place. Uh, suddenly looked like a League of Nations and... Um, they Unlike didn't settle, they they didn't settle very well. They didn't settle very well. And the, I, I think because none of them played particularly well other than Ericsson showed a bit of class initially, there was, there was, a, there was a lot of players underperforming, not playing to their price tag. And amidst all this, you had a local boy. I mean, they keep singing it at Spurs. He's one of our own, Harry Kane. So he hasn't cost the club anything. He's loyal. He's there. He's keen. And the, the fans knew. The fans have always known when he's made those cameo appearances or he's come on in, in the early rounds of um, the Europa League. They've known that he's got something about him. Passion, pace, strength, eye for goal. Uh, sort of uncomplicated nature to him. He looks like a 1920s swindler. That's what he looks like. <laughs> He looks like a man in the 1920s who's going to offer you a chance to invest in, in the stock market just before it crashes. A swindler, really? Did you, I, I don't see... I I'm not saying he is a swindler. No, no I know. It, to me, he actually seems like sort of an innocent footballer from an innocent time on the maximum wage and, you know, working down the coal mine on the weekend. Or actually, North London, probably not. Yeah, loads of coal in Yeah, North exactly. London, yeah. Sorry, I, I don't want to mess with near, your area. Near the sea as well. <laughs> Why this... I mean, do, do you think it's... Well, so, I mean, Alison has answered this extensively. Well, it's a good story. He's he is local. He was he scored goals. A goal scorer will always resonate 
more than a holding midfield player or a defender, no matter where you're born, I would have thought. So there's, there's two elements to it. There's the fact that he scored goals in Europe and Pochettino refused to play him. So this sort of campaign amongst the fans, certain sections of the media even developed to give him a go. And he's come in and he's, he's scored important goals. It's, for it's, almost, like, so it's, it's almost sort like of a feel-good. And he, he contrasts very well and, you know, <laughs> harshly with Soldado, who's... Cost twenty six million pounds and is a bit languid. Well, you, you, know. you you have Mister you know, the epitome of languid in Soldado. You got the other one with the mother and the witchcraft and the juju and all this stuff and <laughs> and, and, and I mean, is this what it took for Kane to get on the pitch for for defend your boy Pochettino? Why is it taking this long? You, uh, well, iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Uzi just said that, and that, that was the way it was perceived, that, that, that Pochettino refused to play him. So manager takes young player, bloods him slowly as a substitute and in low-profile games, then when he does well, gives him a chance in the Premier League. How on earth can you fault what Pochettino's done with him? Well, Raheem Sterling was, was playing regularly at 18. Yeah, Harry because Liverpool, ha- Liverpool had an, a unique set of circumstances and they had to play Sterling. And that the might other thing be I want, well, well, exactly. Whiteside. The other thing about Kane, and it, Ryan Mason is the same thing, there has been absolutely no structure to his development. He's been out on loan not as many times. Mason's had about 53 clubs. Yes. But <laughs> Kane's had a few. There's been no structure. There's a long time that Spurs gave the impression they didn't really think Harry Kane was going to be anything to be perfectly honest and I, yeah from the Pochettino point of view I think he's probably handled it perfectly he's given him his chance slowly and now he's in the team what, what, I, I don't see what the problem is there the problem is more perhaps that Spurs for all that they've suddenly got him Mason and Bentaleb in the team keeping out expensive signings maybe they should look at the way that they that they structure their youth development not their academy but the kind of the gap b- between academy and first team to make it make more sense rather than just sending Townsend's the same. Townsend had 11 clubs or something on loan. It's ridiculous. Spurs have always been big proponents of the loan system and, and they, they've passionately defended it because they say, we don't want young players sort of just sort of kicking their heels around the club, waiting for a, an injury or a moment. They may as well be out playing p- football, toughening up. They think that if you go to a, a League One team, for example, you learn far more in a week than you would in a two months just sitting around doing reserve team football at Spurs. <coughs> there is logic to that. A town you don't know very well, you're, you're living in digs, you're, you're not being spoiled rotten because it is League One or whatever, and they come back and they appreciate what they have at Spurs and, and gives them an extra spurt to go for it. When the pressure <laughs> grew on Pochettino, why is he still coming off the bench? Why isn't he starting? Give him a chance. He's proved himself. Pochettino said his stats in training aren't up to it. Was that just an excuse? Was he making that up? Or was there something wrong with Harry Kane in training? I don't know. I don't know, but he did seem they did seem genuinely reluctant to to, to play him, and he, you know, I'm sure he didn't bow to pressure from the terraces or the media. But uh, he, he took some persuading, and if you look at his performances, he probably deserved start to start the games before he did. But yeah, possibly. But it'd be weird to accuse Pochettino of being unwilling to pl- to try a young player. That would be a strange thing to accuse Pochettino of. Okay, enough enough Spurs. How about some Everton, another team with uh, um, historically very impressive youth academy. I'm a bit confused because I love Roberto Martinez, we love Everton, we love the overachievement over the years, uh, the positive net spend, and then I think maybe a lot of people felt the way I felt that, oh look, now if you give Martinez some money, if they spend some money, then you know he's been able to do so well 
without the money and then you let him keep Barkley and then, you know, Lukaku in a permanent. And, but they're doing worse. And I kind of feel like they're playing worse, too. You give him money and then he spends it on Besic and Besic and Barry and the, the, they look sort of slow and predictable passing the ball. I know McCarthy was out. Is this just a blip from Roberto Martinez and will he go back to being what he should be, which is football genius? Uh, I think Everton will improve. They were disappointing yesterday for 20 minutes, so great, and then they just didn't respond But after Spurs came back into the game. I, th- I think they'll be challenging top six again. I, th- I think they're a victim of inflated expectations, really, to be honest. They had a great season last year. Even with the money they've spent, it's, it's just very hard to to improve on that, particularly the Europa League. It's, it's well talked about, but I do feel sorry for those clubs, Tottenham and Everton. They're just stuck in this vicious circle where they get Europa League, so they're flogging their guts out. Eastern Europe playing Sunday afternoon makes it so hard to make that next step. Weren't Everton in the Europa League last year? Yeah, they were. Okay, just checking. But, but, but kind of and then they have a smaller amp- squad amp- last year? Okay, all right, just checking. The question I'd have with Everton is whether, like, Lukaku's a brilliant player, would you now, with the benefit of hindsight, you've got 28 million to spend? Do you spend all of it on Romelu Lukaku, or do you spend it on? Do you get two 15 million pound players? Well, they certainly okay. overpaid for him. There's no question. About Makes that. Mourinho look very clever again, doesn't he? He's Chelsea's fourth fourth choice striker. Yeah. Well, isn't that the that brings us full circle back to the Liverpool approach, right? Buy rather, you know, because one of the arguments you hear about Liverpool is why don't they buy two 50 million pound players instead of? Yeah, but there's, there's, yeah. that's a stupid argument in that context because there's far fewer £50 million players than there are £10 million players. I'm just wondering with Lukaku, and it is a hindsight thing, whether you'd, you'd automatically now make that same decision. I think he's fine. He's, if it works out, he's your, he's, he's your centre forward for the next 10 years or you sell him at a profit. And if he's absolutely pants, he's going to be still going to be 23, 24 and you'll find some mugs will give you £20 million for him. I, I don't... I, I, I mean, I think... Yeah, Did Chelsea get a good price? Yeah, I think they could have bargained harder for a different price because, frankly, in that situation, they held all the cards. It's my understanding that the people who represent Lukaku are actually pretty nice, principled people who maybe weren't prepared to be as nasty as they could have been. Um, or maybe they just did very well when he moved there for a huge amount of money in the first place and they felt some gratitude towards Chelsea. Martinez does remain the most hugged manager by his players when they score some goal by Kevin Morales but yeah just, just doesn't play very well right time now for Allison's favorite part of the show it's quick hits Chelsea are held at Sunderland nil-nil Diego Costa maybe should have been sent off maybe not Matt there's no real reason to be concerned right uh they'll still end the season undefeated presumably being facetious there I wouldn't be too concerned I think they'll miss Costa against Tottenham on Wednesday because he suspended after his fifth booking but Chelsea still looking in good shape they were fantastic against Schalke and famine often follows a feast Manchester United roll over a whole city Van Gaal says it's their best performance of the season Alison how impressed were you though they will finish top four right Van Gaal will be vindicated maybe I mean I, I put them as fourth at the start of the season so, so did I, I suppose and, and most people did actually so not impossible they're really nice goals uh, but I think that might have been Hull's worst game of the season so maybe not worth drawing too many conclusions from. you say they're really nice goals uh, Chris Smallings was easily my favourite <laughs> QPR defeat Leicester 3-2 in a game that we in the game described as quote a comedy of errors Rory uh, are QPR showing signs of life and um, who will be in a job longer Pearson or Redknapp? My favourite start of the weekend was, I think, on match of the day when, when someone said that QPR had only lost uh, two games at home this season. 
uh, presumably out of five, I would have thought, which <laughs> is an almost meaningless statistic. Pearson, I'd I'd worry for because we've, we're starting to see the Tony Pulis links. That that spectre of Pulis is now hovering over <laughs> Nigel Pearson, which is not a good place to be. Um, that sort of shadow with a cap on it. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think he. Um, He's like Slenderman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, well, Red, yeah, QPR are kind of coming alive. Leicester are dropping like a stone, although they are playing Liverpool this week, which means they'll probably win. Danny Welbeck scores as Arsenal triumph at West Brom, and Wenger gets emotional at the end. He does not like to be asked about dissenting fans. Uh, Matt, what's your take on this? Uh, some supporters holding up a sign saying, thanks for the memories, now leave. Are they a small minority? They're a minority. They're not small, and they're growing every week and will grow with every bad result. Um, but then do they shrink after a good result again? Because yeah, I see a lot of sort of fickleness amongst the Arsenal fa- football fans are fickle. Generally, Arsenal fans are extraordinarily fickle, especially the ones that sit in the main stand by the press box. They're um, everything's great at the start, and it's terrible, and it's great again. They, they are yes, they do change like the weather. But I, I think they have a point. I think Wenger isn't improving the, the team, the club as as he could. He's overachieved for. 10 years with modest resources now he's got more resources they should be doing better there's no reason Arsenal should finish, should finish second but they're not good uh, it might be good also afterwards if people ask him questions about this rather than saying like I do not speak about that I do not comment on that and getting all just say like hey people can voice their opinions they're entitled to them it doesn't bother me it doesn't affect my work I did ask him about it and he answered Really? He yeah. always says, we live in a society. Yeah, he loves that phrase. We have lots of opinions. He loves describing what, what we live in. That's interesting. He does it every week. Because obviously I wasn't we there with you, uh, Alison. But, um, no, it's one of those rare occasions on where the being the journalist for the Monday paper actually felt good because the banner was unfurled at the final whistle and he wasn't aware of it until he went into the main press conference and he was asked about it and he said I do not comment on such things and he said it several times but then in the Monday huddle he was far more forthcoming if you read my match report you would know I read your match report good for you West Ham beat Newcastle 1-0. Big Sam says he has no ill will whatsoever towards Mike Ashley but what stood out for me was Musa Sissoko's stupid red card Alison, he's been arguably their best player during this good run. How does stuff like this happen? Yeah, I'm not sure I get the question. I mean, it implies that players sort of time their bookings so that there'll be a big gap. So no one says, oh, they acted rashly and stupidly. I think it was 40-something seconds between his first booking and his second booking. And everyone pounces on such things as, as evidence that they've uh, the player has uh, lost the plot and might have issues with his personality. Uh these occasionally it will happen just you know you might score two goals in a minute it doesn't mean that you're any better than the player who scores one goal in the first minute and one goal in the 80th right but whereas you can't always control when you score you can generally control when you do something stupid to get booked well no because generally you, when you get no, booked unless it it's stupid yeah <laughs> when you get booked occasionally it's a cynical plotting you've plotted it i need to bring down this player or we're going to concede usually you get booked for something you don't want to get booked for Liverpool will go with a lineup featuring just one new signing, one Ricky Lambert uh, against Stoke, and then Huff and Puff before finally breaking through an injury time. Rory, it finally happened. Uh, Jared has dropped, at least for now. What did you make of Rodgers? Is he a brilliant tactician, or is this like King Lear and his reason not the need speech? Going to uh, ignore that on the ground. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I thought it was the sensible thing to do for Rodgers. To and you're looking at me amazed, like that I've not read King Lear. Fine, yeah, and I don't like Shakespeare. There you go. You don't have to like Shakespeare, but you must have read. You've read King Lear, haven't you, Husey? No. 
Alison, help <laughs> me. I've, I've no. seen it. I've not read it. I've read a lot. I've read other Shakespeare. Enough but, to know I don't like it. None of you are familiar with King Lear. I've heard of it. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. I won't mention where you guys went to university, so as not to embarrass them. We did, we did history. None of us studied literature. I've read, I've read, I've read Aristotle in ancient Greek. Will that do you? Yeah. I'm in a bit of Thucydides. <laughs> that's irrelevant. It's part of your history. Oh, Shakespeare's English. I'm not. Right. I've read other Shakespeare. Assuming plays. Shakespeare existed. Well, that's a big debate. But I'd be, more, I'd, be, I'd be much more com- comfortable if we were talking about Homer, to be honest. Can I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not finally, Gerard. Dropped, he didn't play at the Burnabout, did he? Um, yeah, but everybody was dropped. All the good players were dropped for that I game. Think, I think there is, there is a case now with Gerard. The, the idea that he can still be Liverpool's key man every week is, is, is gone. I think you have to, that has to be accepted. The debate now is, can you use him, say, as Man City used Frank Lampard? Or do you? Is it better for everybody involved if he maybe goes and takes a two-year contract with the NY Red Bulls or something like that? Um, I think there's probably advantages to both, but we have to get used to the idea that Steven Gerrard not starting a football match isn't a story anymore. He's at that stage of his career. What Rodgers did on Saturday wasn't spectacular. They didn't play particularly well, but he solidified the team. He played Lucas and Joe Allen. He he basically said we are going to grind out a one-nil win, and in the circumstances, that was probably a method of some merit, if not the, the world's greatest plan. Someone made the point well. at Southampton yesterday that, that if you look at what Lampard does, and Pellegrini says Lampard makes, makes the difference in the final 25-30 metres, you wonder whether now Gerrard should be used in a similar way. Sparingly, not all the time, further forward, so that you, you aren't exposing him to... Because he's, he's really, really easy to press out of possession, and it, the play bypasses him when he, when he plays too deep. So you wonder whether that is now where he should be playing. Not every game... But that's where he's most useful. But he's never he's never had um, Lampard's consistent no. goal scoring. Record. No, that's true. That's true. But then well, the spectacular goals. But you will ne- you round flat Lampard edge of the box goes in the bottom corner. He's also the probably two- a better passer and better long range passer, yeah. better range of passing than Lampard as well. So he is playing he- further up the pitch. But he can't dictate dictate the tempo of a game, and you do you do lose his, his long range pass. Tempo. This is one of those things. Like you don't have to dictate the tempo of the game if you're used in the right position. I mean, I think the question is more, as you said, like. Can his legs go and contribute and yeah. give you the physical side of the game? But on the Lampard issue, you're right. You, Hughes is quite right. But Gerard, the two seasons where he did play in that position, in, this, in, in that advanced role, was as prolific as Lampard, it, more or less. But that's because he had Rafa looking after him. Absolutely, and he's a genius. Speaking of geniuses, Gab, I know the answer to this question, and we've talked about it already. Uh, who's Not bottom of the? We have, who is bottom of the Bundesliga? Jurgen Klopp. Is it, pa- is it Paderborn? No, it's Jurgen Klopp, and it's Borussia Dortmund, and. Um, he got a he got a little bit spiky after the game. I mean, they lost two 0 uh, at Eintracht Frankfurt, and he basically came out and he said, "Well, if you think that you know making a coaching change is gonna is gonna help this team, uh, then I'm not gonna stand in your way. But it's not that simple because if I see you show me somebody who be who's better than me, and I will gladly step aside. I don't know. It's he's getting a little prickly. Uh, a lot of things have gone wrong for them, but there is no excuse to be where they are. Good news is 21 games left." 10 points out of the Champions League. They're probably going to win their, their Champions League group. There is still a lot to be salvaged here because he has a very good squad. Any other business? Christmas. It's Christmas, isn't it, early Christmas. So I wondered... The winter holiday is coming. Yes, Alison. Yeah, I'm very excited. Winterval. I watched, I watched Elf last night to mark Advent. And um, I like Christmas. And it, I wondered, um, A, how many people will want a um, Kirikes shirt for Christmas? And those people who do want one, no, not how, how many would be disappointed if they didn't get that little squiggle under the S on the shirt? Well, what's the point of having it if you don't have the, don't have the sedilla? Well, we don't put it in the paper. 
That's outrageous. That's disrespectful to Romanians. I hadn't noticed that. Do we put the weird umlaut over the U in Aguero? In Aguero, no, I don't think we do. We have a weird attitude, but then we still spell Marseille with an S on the end. It's pathetic. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed on iTunes and Player FM for Android, please do so immediately. Don't even uh, wait for me to finish my outro. Many thanks to my guests today, the excellent Yorkshireman Matt Hughes, the excellent Yorkshireman Roy Smith, and the excellent... Are you from Somerset? Is that right? Oh, f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you from? Where are you born? I'm from Liverpool. Right. Lancashire. And the excellent Scouser, as you can tell from her accent, Alison Rudd. Check out thetimes.co.uk. Members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. And if you're not a member yet, you can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport Online. Uh, in the meantime, we're all on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.